Last week we began a new series. It's just three weeks long. It's a really short series, but it's a very important series in the life of our church. Because as I shared with you last week, if you were here, we're in a town of a, a very vital transition point in the life of our church. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we freed up, uh, paid off our debt that we've been in for the last 10 years. Actually, it was supposed to be a 15-year mortgage, and now it's, yeah, you can clap. A couple of you didn't, you know, and, uh, and I said it was good and bad both, because sometimes it thinks it means we've arrived. Uh, but it hasn't, doesn't mean that. It really means what God has freed us up. You know, all of a sudden, if you paid off, I, I can imagine, I can't imagine what it means not having a house payment. Uh, hopefully, I'll discover that someday. But uh, uh, the reality is, is that it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we have extra money. It means God is, wants us to use that money that we've been spending on, on debt to pay off this building for something else. And so this, this series is really about, uh, this three-week series is about what is, what is it that we are as a church and what is God telling us to do? And, and, what is, uh, and, and so I just want to kind of remind you, last, if you weren't here last week, that I talked about this, that this three-week series is based around this statement. It's how can we as a church, how can we as a church um, continue to help people step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, step up into authentic spiritual maturity, and step out to use their shape to engage and minister to the people in the world. Now last week we talked about the step-in part. And the step-in part really is based upon a, a scripture that, that uh, we've always used as the primary scripture that tells us what our, what our mission is. Uh, God gives us our, our purpose in scripture. And our mission is this, it's in, on the great, great uh, uh, commission. Uh, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so that first part, that step-in part, is about us going into the world to make disciples. And we talked about that last week in a real sense that, that we as a church, if we're going to continue to be the church God wants us to be, that we need to understand this. That Jesus' mission when he was here, and it's, it's, this is not great, this is black and white in Scripture, was always about seeking and saving that which is lost. It's about people that are out there in the community that need to know Jesus Christ. Friends, family members, co-workers, people that go to school with you, those type of people who need to know Jesus Christ. And that even though Jesus loves us and cares for us and wants us to have a relationship with him, he wants that relationship to lead us to do some things in our life. And he wants us to, in doing that, he wants us to realize that the people out there are the priority for this church and any church that really wants to do what Jesus is doing. So we talked about this whole thing of stepping into a relationship with Christ, Jesus Christ last week. And if you weren't here, you can t go and get the podcast. It's online at greatoakcc.org and, and, and do that and then listen to that. But then this week, I want to tie into that and talk about that second part of that, of, of that statement that we want to uh, help people step up into what we call authentic spiritual maturity. Authentic spiritual maturity. That's a big word because the word authentic is so important because so often we, we think spiritual maturity is one thing in which, which it really is not, and we'll talk about that today. Because if you look at Scripture, let me just tell you this, I, and I challenge you to do this yourself. Read Scripture yourself. Don't just take my word for it, okay? Uh, if you look at Scripture, spiritual maturity has far less to do with how much you know than how well you love. Spiritual maturity has far less to do with how much you know than how much you love. Spiritual maturity is best measured, according to Scripture, by healthy relationships. And I just want to say this to you. That's not always been communicated well by churches. Because we often think that spiritual maturity is by, well, do you know the whole Bible? 
Uh, have you, how much have you studied? Uh, how many classes have you been to? Uh, all these different things that you think that's really spiritual maturity. And those are important steps. Those are important things you do. But that is not the end goal, the end thing that we want to talk about this morning. Because Jesus himself, when he said, this is how you define, this is how you define what spiritual maturity is. He said this in John 13, 35, by this, by this is what? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And then he says what this is, if you love one another. He doesn't say, well, if you know the whole Bible. He doesn't say if you've been to church, you, know, you didn't miss a, uh, a church service in 27 years. I mean, it used to be when I was growing up in the Southern Baptist Church, we actually had Sunday school pens. Do you ever know what a Sunday school pen is? Somebody, I, I'll tell you who, who grew up in church, okay? You know, the rest of you are going like, what? Yeah, you know, it's like for perfect attendance, you get a pen, you know, one-year pen. And you had these people that had like pens and you hang down, look like some kind of metal, you know, like that Miss church and like, it was like a badge of, of, of honor or something. The problem is that doesn't measure spiritual maturity at all. That just means you've been to Sunday school a lot. You know, that's all it means. Because Jesus says, by this everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. A mark of maturity in a disciple is, is your love. And then Jesus said it most clearly when one day he was having a conversation with some people who were teachers of the law, I mean the people that knew all the, the Old Testament law. And the Old Testament law is interesting because we think, when we think of the law, we think of what? The Ten Commandments, right? The top ten back in Exodus. But in the Old Testament, and if you want to go back further and read Leviticus and some places there, the thing is, they had, they had four, over 600 commandments that you're supposed to follow. I have problems following ten, you know? You probably do too. But 600, and so they're having this conversation with these spiritual leaders, and they're really not, really not interested in knowing the truth. They're just trying to trip Jesus up. But anyway, Jesus tells them, they say, what is the most important commandment of all? And you know what that really means? Is they're asking the question, if we want to know who is the most mature believers, who do, what's, what's the most important commandment for them to keep? Because we don't want to keep all 600. We just want to do the most important one. And so he says it this way in Matthew 22, and which come to be known as the great commandment. He says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then he adds this, and he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is saying, a mark of maturity, a mark of a growing believer is, is you're learning how to love God, and you're learning how to love your neighbor like yourself. Even though we sometimes grow up thinking, well, you know, if we want to know what, what Jesus is thinking and what he wants to know is the great commandment, he would probably say, well, behave yourself. Don't do that. I mean, did you grow up with that? I did. It's all about behavior. Or, or, or it's not just about respect or believe in the Lord your God. No, it's about love. It's about intimate and personal relationship. And he says it's the same thing with people. Love people the same way that Jesus loves them. And over the years, when we talk about those things, then people occasionally, and it hasn't happened too often here at Great Oaks, but occasionally somebody will say to me something like, well, what about the deeper teaching? And then I'll always ask them, what do you mean? Well, I know what they mean. I don't have to really ask them. I know what, they, what they're meaning. You know, because in church, and, and so often what we do here at Great Oaks, and we'll talk about why we do what we do here in just a moment, the thing is, so often people will think, well, deeper teaching means you just get into a verse and you tear it apart and you, and you look at all the Greek words, and, you do, and that's good. But it's not an end. It's, 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 it's a means to an end. And, and so for many people, you know, when I throw out a Greek word occasionally and say it means this, you know, and you go like, wow, that was deep. And someone will look at it and come out the door and go like, that was confusing. 
And so the, so the reality is, the reality is, the, if you look at Scripture, it's, it's, not about, it's not about growing Christians are not just people who know stuff. They're people who love well. You know, I, I could do deep. I truly, I, I've been to seminary. I've got a master's degree. I've, I've studied Greek. I've, I've studied Hebrew some too, and I haven't really know Hebrew, but I know Greek pretty well. And, and, and I, could, I could do deep. And I could dwindle this church down to 20 or 30 deep people if, if, if I wanted to. But that's not the goal here. But the goal is to, is, is to help people come to know Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, so you know, about as deep as I can get is this. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor and pray for those that persecute you. That's deep. Just, just think about that and practice that for the next 27 days. I don't know why 27, I just pulled it off, a number off the top of my head. But the reality is that would be deep if you could love your neighbor and pray for those that persecute you. Think about how that would change your life, because it would. See, when you read the New Testament, deep is not the goal. The goal is to love God passionately and love those people who are hard to love passionately. It's kind of like this, what it says in Scripture about husbands and wives. It says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. That's deep. You think about what that means. And wives, it says, it says this, submit to your husbands so that you can be an example and a testimony to them. That's deep. Think about that. I mean, wives, wouldn't you rather have a, a husband who, who loves you like Christ loves the church? rather than a husband who simply can parse every Greek phrase. If you want to know what that means, come ask me later. And can walk you through the whole New Testament, but then at home, tells you to shut up and sit down and listen because I'm in charge. See, that's not the deal. The, the Bible says spiritual maturity is about continuing to grow in love. And, and I love what it says. I mean, I, let me ask you a question. Some of you will know this right off the bat. What is the chapter in the, in the Bible that's known as the love chapter? A love chapter. What, anybody know? 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, you have, probably nobody knows this. If you got married, you've been married, you probably had that, some part of that in your wedding. About 90% of all weddings have that in their wedding, part of it. About what love is, definition of love. But I love what it starts with because this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It says, if I do not have love... I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And when I read that, you know what immediately it went to my mind? A fifth grade band. <laughs> think about it, you know? I w in Virginia, I would have said six, but here they start the band, I think, in fifth grade, if I understand correctly. And if you've ever been to a fifth grade band concert, fifth and sixth grade sometimes, it's nothing but a clang, it's, it's, it's a cacophony of noise. Right? And so what he's saying here in Scripture, Paul's saying this, he's saying, he's saying you, know, you know, if you don't have love, you're just a bunch of noise. I mean, you can have all the knowledge in the world and you don't have love, it's just, you're just, you're just nothing. So the point of this, point of that is this, the, this is the model for maturity in the New Testament. It's interesting to me that, that there's so many people that so many people who have left the church very rarely leave the church because of theological reasons. Most people that leave a church, they leave because of relational reasons, because they couldn't get along with somebody or somebody couldn't get along with them. 
Very rarely do people leave a church because of theological reasons. And if I was bold this morning, I'd have you all raise your hand if you left a church, some church because of relational reasons. But I'm not going to do that this morning because I don't want to be bold. So, um, <clears throat> and, and it made me think that too. You know, you know how many churches, you know, I, I don't know this, the statistics about this, but I can tell you this from just experience. You know how many are most churches, how you know how many churches get started? You'd think by church planters, right? No, probably more churches get started by church splitters. You know what church splitters are? Splitters are, are two groups of people who do not have theological disagreements, but they just couldn't get along. And so what do they do? They didn't love God passionately, they didn't love each other passionately, so they left and started the new church. I can ride down the road. Every time I ride down the road, I kind of know, especially in this area, which church has started that way. And the reality is, you know, that's not the way it should be because instead of focusing on just getting smarter and having more biblical knowledge at the end, no, it means, it, it means that biblical knowledge is a means to an end. If it doesn't lead us to love God more and love people more, then it's not, it's not what God wants us to do. So, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Um, if you're here this morning, and I hope you hear this morning that some people that I'm about to talk about... <laughs> If you're here this morning and you're still thinking about what Christianity is all about, you're not convinced yet, uh, but, but, but you're really kind of here checking it out, I really believe that if you were living in the first century and you ran into Jesus Christ, you would like him. And you would get the sense that he liked you. And if your experience has been that, with Christians has been this, I don't really like them and I get the impression they don't like me, I want to tell you that has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. It's a poor reflection of Jesus because when you read the New Testament, the people who were most unlike him liked him. They wanted to hang out with him. And that is how we're supposed to be. Instead of somewhere along the way, we decided we, we just have to have knowledge and be smart and dogmatic. And, and I don't know how this started, but history is full of this. We decided that we were right, which means that everybody else is wrong, and we need, to be treat, we need to treat wrong people wrongly. But you know, I thought what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, no, you're supposed to love the people who you don't agree with, and who may never agree with you. To the point that if they never agree with you or what you believe, they walk away from you going, and thinking about this, they're going like, you know, those people, those Christian people are kooks. But they're the nicest people I know. I think they're fanatics, but I will do business with them because I can trust them. I will trust them with my kids. Yeah, they're kooks, but when they say yes, they mean yes. And when they say no, it means no. And when they say they'll be there, they'll be there. And, and, and I don't know, I don't get all the stuff they believe in, but they're the finest people I know. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how Jesus was. But somewhere along the way, we just opted for being right and decided it was enough to be deep and decided it was enough to just be smart. And unfortunately, all over this country, people never get connected to God because of the people who are supposedly representing Jesus Christ. So, what does all that mean? Well, it means this. We measure maturity at Great Oaks by a different standard. It's not about being deep. We measured about this. Growing Christians, let me just give you a definition of what a growing Christian needs to be doing. Growing Christians are pursuing three types of relationships. They're pursuing intimacy with God, 
community with insiders, and influence with outsiders. That means this. If somebody came to me and said, Pastor Bill, you know, can you tell me what it means to be, how can I identify what a growing Christian is? I wouldn't say they've arrived at any of these locations, total intimacy with God, but they're growing in their intimacy with God. I wouldn't say they have perfect community with, belie- with, with insiders, other people, other believers, but they're growing. They're, they're making an effort to grow in community with other believers. They're building relationships with people. A- and they also, what that leads to, this intimacy with God, leads them to have influence or desire to have influence with outsiders because they understand that their mission, just like Jesus' mission is, is to seek and save the lost. So as spiritual as you can possibly be is that if you're pursuing a love relationship with God, pursuing a love relationship with people who are, not like, who, who are like you, and pursuing a love relationship with people who are not like you. It's not about a destination, it's about a journey. So how, the question we have here at Great Oaks and any church should have is this, how do you design a church around that? <laughs> how do you design a church to make that happen? Well, the reality is this, we can't make that happen. I can't make you want to have an intimate relationship with God. And you can't make somebody else want to do that either. I can't make you desire to have community with insiders, people who are like you. I can't make you desire to have influence with people who are outside the church. But what we can do is, is this. We as a church can create environments where the Holy Spirit would work in people's hearts to create within them a desire to pursue these three relationships. So let me just share this with you. This is something we've taught before. I haven't taught it very often, but something that's important for us to understand. If we were asking people, if we want people to have authentic spiritual uh, maturity, what we need to do is we need to create three environments where these three things happen. Number one, the first environment is this. We need to have environments where guests feel free to show up. Where guests feel free to show up. And you feel free to invite guests. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church. It was a great, it was a good church. Good church. But I never invited my friends to it. Because they thought we were weird. And you know what I'm talking about if you grew up in church. You know, I didn't, didn't connect. We talked different languages. We sang different songs. We, we, the, the, the messages were good, but not always relevant. But the thing we ha- understand here is we need to have environments where guests feel free to show up. This is such an environment at Great Oaks. Sunday mornings here for adults is that kind of environment. That's why every week when my wife and I exit Greek, Going out the door, it's usually the really good-looking red-haired lady that hangs out with me. Uh, that's my wife. Um, we, we exit greet, and what happens is, what happens is, is, is we go out, I can tell you every week, every week, every week, I don't know if there's any week that I've ever been here I've not met except somebody new. In 14 years. So obviously, this is a place where people who are guests feel welcome. And I've heard that many, many times. We do that same thing in our children's ministry. Over in children's ministry in Upstreet this morning, first service, we had a record attendance in first service of any service we've ever had, even Easter in first service in children. We had 113 children over there in first service this morning. I didn't ask them about that, but somebody told me, you know, who does check-in. They're going like, we had more than we have Easter. I'm going like, how many is that? I don't have a clue. And obviously that means the kids generally love it over there parents if your kids are not over there get them over there 
And the thing is, is that, you know, we have people that care over there. And it's, 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 it's based on stuff their age. And then on Wednesday nights, we have a thing called, uh, uh, get my brain to work here, breakaway. Think, think about it. It's junior high, okay? It's fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. It's not perfect, okay? Because it's led by imperfect people. Just like everything else here. But the reality is, obviously, the majority of kids love it because there's about 150 kids coming now to break away on Wednesday nights. They invite their friends. But kids, it's different. Kids, it's a different thing. If they don't have a friend there, it's kind of tough to get them to get connected there. So when you bring them, not only bring them, but bring three of their friends. They'll get more quickly acclimated to the whole deal. It's a place where kids feel welcome to come as guests. Sunday nights, culture, uh, culture shift, which is we call it for students, is a place that's a guest environment where kids can come, can bring their friends. Monday night, campus life, we partner with, this, with Metamore High School. Kids come there, they can bring their friends. I mean, we have all these environments that happens there. But the thing is, is it's great, it's great that people, we need to have environments where people can come and be introduced to Jesus Christ in a non-threatening way. And this is what happens here when you're sitting in rows. Or when the kids are over there singing songs and jumping up and down like crazy people. But we don't want you to stay there. Because we, you need to make, we need to have other environments. Two other environments is this. We need to have a second environment where I can make new friends. The second environment. Not only guests can come, where I can make new friends. And Sunday morning sitting in rows is not the place that's going to happen. Not going to happen. I mean, that... 30 second meet and greet you think you really make some really deep friendships in 30 seconds this is not this is not the way you make new friends if if, if your goal is to make new friends sunday morning's a great place to come in to get to get connected with the whole body but you're not gonna make any friends on sunday morning let me tell you how to begin to make friends service teams are one of the best ways if you serve back in upstreet if you serve on wednesday nights if you serve on Sundays, if you do those things, service teams, this morning, believe it or not, this room doesn't set itself up by itself. I know it's amazing. You know, it'd be really cool if we just, you know, and the whole room became. No, this morning, there was a bunch of guys and girls in here at 7 or 7.30 setting up this room. And you know what? It's really always interesting to me is the guys come in. They'll get up, they'll get real busy, and they'll set up the room, and then they stand around in the lobby and talk to each other. Some of them talk to each other longer than other things, you know. But they always do that. They have they, even that kind of service team. But when you're working with other people, I can tell you there's a camaraderie where you start to get to know people when you serve together with people in an area. It's one of the great ways of doing that. So we have to have those environments as well. But also, one of the things we used to do, we're not doing it anymore, but we're going to do it again, is Married Life Live. We had things for couples. We had these big events that happened about three to four times a year. And they were in this big room, and, and it was where couples came around the table uh, and met some other couples, and it was fun, and it was, we had a meal, and we had some entertainment, and it, was, it wasn't real deeply spiritual, you know, but it was all right. Because you're building friendships, connections with people. And it happens in students' It happens, it happens with children as well. But we don't want you to stop there either because it's great to come and feel like a, good, a welcome guest. It's great to start building friendships. But the goal ultimately is this. The goal ultimately is this. We need to have environments where, 
where I can build family relationships. Maybe I could call them family-like relationships. And where that happens the best is small groups. Small groups. See, the purpose of small we, we sometimes miss this if you grew up in a church where you went to Sunday school. And Sunday school is great. I grew up in Sunday school. But Sunday school is usually, it's a definite time period, and you have a curriculum, and you're so focused on the curriculum, you don't spend a whole lot of time building relationships. And when small groups function the way small groups should function, is they should spend as much time building relationships as they do on Bible study. Because it's where life is lived out together. And so we have those, those things going on, and so we, we want to have that in, not only in adults, but also with our students. Students are at the place maturity-wise, they can begin to build relationships too. In children, it's a different deal, but we still have small groups over uh, on Sunday mornings, large groups, small group time over in our kids' kids area. But we understand we need to have all these environments. And I want to give you an example this morning. I thought the best way to give you an example of how that works when it works well is to have one of our young couples who started attending here a few years back share their testimony on video of what a small group does to help you to grow as a believer. So watch this video right now. So small groups really weren't on our radar, radar a few years back when we, when we joined Great Oaks, um, but something changed one Sunday when Bill gave a, ser a sermon on small groups and, and how we're just not supposed to sit in rows on Sundays, but we're supposed to sit in circles in our small groups. Um, that led me and Sarah to some apprehensions that we had. Per I was terrified to join a small group. Yes, we both were. Um, first, we were going to be going to a complete stranger's house that we didn't know. Um, we also probably weren't going to know anyone else in the small group. And then there was the fear that everyone else in the small group always knows way more than you do and that they have the whole bible memorized and, and that they were the quote-unquote perfect christian people and we were just going to feel very out of place we started actually going to the small group and quickly re we realized that our fears were were unfounded and most of the people that were in the small group with us were actually in the same boat in life we were they were a young married couple, they had young children, they were going through the same exact things that we were. So a year and a half ago, we started co-leading our own small group. And again, it was just another one of those pushings from God, like this is where you need to go. And that really took us out of our comfort zone, but that is where we have grown the most in our, in our current small group. It's, it's not just a group of six to seven couples that meet for an hour on Friday night and talk about the service on Sunday. It's more of a group or a community of believers. It's a family, it's exactly what it is. A family of believers and we go through life together, the goods, the bads, and everything in between. Because of becoming so close with each other and our families getting to know one another and our kids getting to become such close friends. It seems like on a regular basis, we're constantly getting together with each other. We 
have birthday parties together, we get together and do socials and have cookouts and... Just last Friday we went out to dinner at we, the... Yeah, we all went out to dinner just as a group of friends just to hang out and have a good time and we help out with watching each other's kids when, you know, we need a babysitter at the last minute or when our kid needs picked up from school and we can't be there, you know. Or we, when we need to give a video testimony about small groups. <laughs> we, you know, it's it's nice to have a group of friends that you can constantly rely on and that you feel comfortable with and close enough with to leave your children with. And that all these kids are becoming such great friends that they want to be with each other and hang out and they see their parents on a regular basis meeting for small group and taking the time out to make that an important thing in their lives. When I think of intimacy with God or intimacy with Christ, I think of spending time and having a deeper relationship. And how do I get that deeper relationship? I think it was roughly 12 to 15 months ago, we decided in small group, a handful of us, that we were gonna challenge each other because most of us have not read the Bible front to back. Um, we decided to do the YouVersion one-year Bible app and we challenged each other and we held each other accountable. And now four of us in the last few months have completed the Bible. And I know for me, that was a big thing to connect with God every single time. I carved out a time in my day, every single night um, prior to going to bed. And that's just one time where it was just me and it was just God and it was 20 to 30 minutes a day reading the Bible. And, and I've gotten a lot out of that. And with becoming so close with um, the people in our small group, it's allowed us to push each other and challenge each other more than we would with a group of strangers or if somebody just randomly challenges us. Um, we tend to hold each other more accountable and text each other and be like, hey, did you do this today? Or, and if no, it's like, well, it kind of pushes you to, to get it done. and then. By doing that, it's it becomes habit, and you make that time every single day, and it starts off you don't want to let your accountability partner down, and then it turns into, well, you don't want to let God down, and because you notice that it makes a difference in your life. So what does that mean for us? As a church, it means this, that right now we're at a place where God's been pushing us as a leadership team and, and staff to look at what's the next step. And one of the next steps, looking at, at what that, how important that is about getting people in small groups, about how that's important in student ministry as well, about doing that. One of the things we're going to do, the resources we're freeing up from immediately from, from um, the debt retirement, is we're going to look at adding two new staff uh, this year. Uh, one of the staff is going to be an adult ministries pastor who will work with and, and, and focus on developing uh, small groups and work with all the small group leaders to make sure the small groups are functioning the way that God wants them to work. Uh, the thing that, that's a very functional small group you saw there. Uh, relation, it's about Bible study. You saw you heard all, the, all the elements there. They live life together. Uh, you know, I can guarantee you if one of those folks in, the, in that group went to the hospital or something or whatever, the first people to get the call would not be me. It would be the people in that small group. Because those are the people that care for one another. And they would probably rather have one of those people in a small group, even though they all love me, I know. But uh, 
But the reality is, I don't know them that well. I know some, I know Nate and Sarah pretty well. I know some of the other folks. But the thing is, is these people that they've been living life with day to day, week to week, are people that really they want to be there. And that's, that's, the, way, that's the way church is supposed to be. That's the way group's supposed to be. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hire, uh, uh, hire, hopefully uh, in the next few months, we'll actually start the process real soon of adult ministries pastor, and then also an associate student pastor because our student ministries have grown so much that for us to expand anything in there, we're going to have to have some more help. And along with that, one of the things we want to do is increase marriage and family ministry as well. Marriage and family ministry to couples and, to, and parenting as well. And to do that, what we need to do is free some staff time to do that. Uh, one of the passions that my wife and I have had over the years is, is for families, marriage and family. One of the things that I love over the years doing, probably more than anything else, even better than preaching on Sundays, was Married Life Live. And I've just not had time to do that. So we're going to develop a teaching team uh, by freeing up some of our staff time and some, adding another staff person. Uh, we'll have staff, uh, some of our staff who will teach series during, during the year. Uh, I won't be doing all the teaching all the time. I'm right now doing 85% of all teaching. Uh, but the goal is by the end of next year is that I will be doing more like 50% of the teaching on Sunday mornings, and we'll have other quality staff members who will teach other things, and that'll free me up to give leadership to the area of marriage and family and do that as well in conjunction with this new adult ministries pastor. Uh, so those are a couple of things we're going to do. I'll share with some other things next week. Now, what will you do out of all this? What do you do? Well, let me just challenge you to do three things. Number one, I want to challenge you to take a step. If you have been here in worship and you feel and you're, you love it you come you know and you feel like a guest and you've been here for a year or three or five you know it's time to take a step and that step needs to get beyond just showing up on sunday mornings because you need to build some friendships and so i would challenge you to take the next step which is join a team join a team join a team of people who will who will uh, you'll get to know some people but also it'll serve something else it'll also allow us to have these environments where kids and students and adults can build relationships with Jesus Christ, these environments. Like I said this morning, first service, 113 kids over there. It takes a lot of people to, to do that. And we, wanna, we, don't want, we don't want that to be the record too much longer, you know? Now the facilities, you know, it's, we're going to have to deal with some facility issues down the road, but that's a while down the road. But right now, you know, let me tell you, if you want to take a step with Jesus Christ and build closer relationships, you need to build friendships first. And we also want you to do this. We want you to, once you build friendships, we want, to, want you to connect with people in a small group. Now, right now, most of our small groups are kind of winding down for the spring, and then they'll, they'll tie, spend some time together. And, and, but, you know, it's, it's all right to join a small group anytime. And that, but one of the things is that we've, had, we've really, over the last few years, not done as good a job, the last three or four years, not done as good a job of starting new groups. And so we need to have more and more and more and more groups. And so that's one of the reasons for Adult Ministries Pastor as well. So take a step, join a team, and finally invite a friend. Invite a friend. Folks, you know, if our mission is to do what Jesus said, which is to seek and save the lost, then you could invite them to this environment because I think generally they're going to feel fairly comfortable here. And they will be challenged to understand God's word and to apply it through their lives. And you may someday, by inviting them to church and inviting them to a small group or whoever it may be, you may see them someday doing a baptism video up there on the screen because they've taken that step as well. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to not only help people to step into a relationship with Christ, but to step into authentic spiritual maturity, which is about building 
healthy relationships with God, with other people like you, and with people who are unlike you. Next week, we'll talk about what it means to help people to step out. To step out. Acts 1.8. So join us next week as we we meet together. Let's pray, and then we'll sing a a closing song. Oh, excuse me. Forgot the offering. I almost forgot the offering this morning. Okay. I can't believe I almost forgot it. Ushers, come forward, and I'm going to pray, and then uh, they're going to collect the offering. But also, if you'd like to sign up for one of these things, uh, the, the, the tab in your bulletin, you can tear it off. Uh, one of the next step classes, but also if you'd like to think about, uh, know more about volunteer teams, if you'd like to know more about small groups, any of those things, just put your name on the back, some contact information, and then check the boxes on that side. You can place it in the offering, or what you can also do is place it out on the welcome, uh, welcome desk out there, and we'll get it to the right people, and we'll follow up with you, the right people following up with that as well. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day, for the many blessings. We thank you that you got us and that you give us, uh, in your word, clear directions in regard to what we're to do and what we're to be. I thank you for this morning, the folks that were baptized who took a next step. I thank you for their testimonies. I thank you, God, for those folks uh, uh, who are experiencing real life in, in groups, authentic groups that are, that, are, that are not only studying God's word together, but they're growing together in relationship. And they live life together and they spend time together, God. I thank you for that, that group that Nate and Sarah Uh, have gotten a part of and how it's challenged them in their own lives to build intimacy with you and it's given them the opportunity to build community with insiders and God also it it challenges them in real sense and I know talking with about this it also challenges them to, to seek influence with those outside these walls as well guide us now God this week in all that we do and say that we would just honor you we ask these things in Jesus name Amen